What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the History of Egypt podcast. This is a mini-episode, the tale of two brothers, recounting a fairy tale which emerged during the New Kingdom around the late 18th or early 19th dynasties. It is a story of magic, of betrayal, of falsehood, and of great adventures, both in Egypt and foreign lands. In this story, we're going to see how a man who is wronged by others comes to great triumphs and is able to overcome even death itself. The Tale of Two Brothers is a fascinating piece of ancient Egyptian storytelling. It has been called the oldest fairy tale in the world, and as we will see, it is a story rich in mythological references, full of excitement and adventure, and one which ties in to some of the most fundamental concepts in Egyptian philosophical thought. In this holiday season, sit back, put your feet up, and enjoy a fairy tale from 3300 years ago. The tale of two brothers focuses in particular on two brothers. Their names are Anubis and Bata. These are no ordinary names, they are divine names. Anubis, of course, is the famous jackal deity, lord of embalming and protector of the dead. Bata, meanwhile, was a provincial god. His name was probably pronounced Biti, and he was the lord of the town called Saka in southern Egypt. So Anubis and Bata are both fictional characters in the story, and also real gods who were worshipped in different communities in the land. The story begins on a small farm in an unnamed part of the country. Anubis and Bata live together, along with Anubis's wife, and the two brothers take care of the crops and the animals. This country estate, this idyllic home, is the setting for our tale's beginning. Quote, It is said that there were two brothers of the same mother and the same father. The elder brother was named Anubis, and the younger brother was named Bata. As for Anubis, he had a house and a wife, and his younger brother Bata was with him as if he were a son. Bata was the one who made clothes for him, and he went behind his cattle to the fields. Bata was the one who did the ploughing, and he harvested for him. He was the one who did all kinds of labour in the fields. Indeed, this young brother was an excellent man. There was none like him in the whole land, for a god's strength was within him. Now, when many days had passed, this young brother was tending to his cattle according to his daily custom, and he returned to his house in the evening, laden with all kinds of field plants, and with milk, with wood, and with every good thing. He placed them before his elder brother Anubis, as he was sitting with his wife. Then Bata drank and ate and went to sleep in the stable among the cattle. 
Now when it had dawned, and another day had come, Bata took foods that were cooked, and placed them before his elder brother Anubis. Then Bata took bread for himself for the fields, and he drove his cattle, and he let them eat in the fields. Bata walked behind his cattle, and they would say to him, The grass is good in such and such a place. And he heard all that the cattle said, and he took them to the place of good grass which they desired. Thus the cattle that he tended became exceedingly fine, and he increased their offspring very much. Now at ploughing time, Bata's elder brother Anubis said to him, Have a team of oxen made ready for us, for ploughing, for the soil has emerged from the flood, and it is right for ploughing. Also, come to the field with seeds, for we shall start ploughing tomorrow. This is what Anubis said to Bata. Then the young brother made all the preparations that his elder brother had told him to make. Now, when it had dawned, and another day had come, they went to the field with their seeds, and they began to plough, and their hearts were very pleased with this work that they had undertaken. And many days later, when they were still in the field, they had need of more seeds. So Anubis sent his young brother, saying, Hurry, fetch us seed from the village. Bata went at his command. And the younger brother then found the wife of his elder brother seated and braiding her hair. Bata said to the wife, Get up, give me seed, so that I may hurry to the field, for my elder brother, your husband, is waiting for me. Don't delay. The wife said to him, Go and open the storeroom and fetch what you want. Don't make me leave my hairdo unfinished. The young brother entered the stable and fetched a large vessel, for he wished to take a great quantity of seed. Bata loaded himself with barley and emma, and came out with it. Thereupon the wife said to him, How much is that which you have on your shoulder? He said to her, Three sacks of emma and two sacks of barley, five in all, are upon my shoulder. This is what he said to her. Then the wife spoke to Bata, saying, there is great strength in you, I see your vigour daily. And she desired to know him as a man. She got up, took hold of him, and said, Come, let us spend an hour lying together. It will be good for you, and if you do, I will make fine clothes for you. End quote. So, we have a complicated situation. Bata lives with his elder brother Anubis, and Anubis's wife, who is unnamed. Bata cares for Anubis's household, he tends his cattle, sows his crops. He is a loyal brother who does his duty, and Anubis in turn cares for him. Anubis and the wife take care of Bata as if he is their own son. But one day, as Bata returns from the field, he finds the wife alone braiding her hair. The wife observes Bata as he does his chores, and she notes his great strength, his obvious virility. In a moment of pure femme fatale, the wife invites Bata to join her for an hour of passion. The wife is part of an Egyptian tradition of condemning women who practice adultery. In religious literature and educational texts, scribes warn their readers against women who stray outside the marriage. The Book of the Dead, for example, includes a section where the deceased must confirm that in life, quote, I did not have sex with a married woman, end quote. Great sages like Tahotep said that sex with a married woman was, quote, 
A short moment that is like a dream, but death comes from having known her. And the scribe Ani said that a woman away from her husband was, quote, like a deep water whose course is unknown. In other words, conservative Egyptian scribes concerned with morality castigated the woman who has sex outside of her marriage. It is a recurring motif, and a fairly hypocritical one. We do not see men condemned for the same behaviour. The wife presents her proposition, and Bata must now respond. Quote, then the youth Bata became like a leopard in his anger over the wicked speech she had made to him, and she became very frightened. He rebuked her, saying, Behold, you are like a mother to me, and your husband, my brother, is like a father to me. He who is older than I has raised me, cared for me. What is this great wrong you say to me? Do not say it to me again, but I will not tell it to anyone. I will not let it come from my mouth to any man. He picked up his load, he went off to the field. He reached his elder brother, and they began to work at their task. When evening had come, his elder brother returned to his house, and Bata tended to his cattle, loaded himself with all things of the field, and drove the cattle before him to let them sleep in their stable in the village. Now the wife of the elder brother was afraid on account of the speech which she had made, so she took fat and grease, and made herself appear as if she had been beaten, in order to tell her husband, It was your young brother who beat me. Her husband returned in the evening according to his daily custom. He reached his house, and found his wife lying down and seeming ill. She did not pour water over his hands in the usual manner, nor had she lit a fire for him. His house was in darkness, and she lay vomiting. Anubis, her husband, said to her, who has had words with you? She said to him, No one has had words with me except for your younger brother, Bata. When he came to take seed to you, he found me sitting alone. He said to me, Come, let us spend an hour lying together. Loosen your braids. This is what he said to me, but I would not listen to him. I said to him, Am I not like your mother? Is your elder brother not like a father to you? At that he became frightened, and he beat me, so as to prevent me from telling you this. Now if you let him live, I shall die. Look, when he returns, do not let him live, for I am ill from his evil design, which he was about to carry out in the morning. The elder brother became enraged like a leopard. He sharpened his spear, and took it in his hand. Then the elder brother stood behind the door of his stable in order to kill his young brother when he came home in the evening to let his cattle over the threshold. When the sun had set, the younger brother, Bata, loaded himself with all the plants of the field according to his daily habit. He returned, and as the leading cow was about to enter the stable, she, the cow, said to Bata, Behold, your elder brother is waiting for you with his spear in order to kill you. Run away from him! Bata heard what his lead cow had said, and when the second cow went in, she said the same thing. He looked under the door of his stable, and saw the feet of his elder brother, as Anubis stood behind the door with his spear in his hand. Bata set his load upon the ground, and took off at a run so as to flee, and his elder brother came after him with his spear. End quote. Uh-oh, we are in a tricky situation here. Anubis believes the falsehood of his wife, and goes after his brother in a rage. 
Bata, returning with the cattle, is oblivious to the situation, and when Anubis hides, waiting for him, Bata almost walks into the trap. Fortunately, two cows notice the waiting Anubis, and tell Bata what is happening. Forewarned, the younger brother is able to flee, with Anubis in hot pursuit. The fairy tale elements of the story are in full swing. Magical elements speak to Bata, warning him of impending catastrophe. And Anubis, who really should know better, somehow believes his wife instantaneously. Rather than question her and ask whether his younger brother, who so far has been utterly loyal, would do something like this, Anubis takes the bait without a second thought. The first act thus sets the scene and helps us understand that the story takes place outside of our own time and space. Elements of the magical, the supernatural, will be a strong player in what is to come. Quote, As he ran, Bata prayed to pray Horakti, saying, My good lord, it is you who judge between the wicked and the just? And Prey heard all of his plea, and Prey made a great body of water appear between him and his elder brother Anubis, and the water was full of crocodiles. Thus, one brother came to be on one side, and the other brother on the other side. And the elder brother struck his own hand twice in frustration, because he had failed to kill Bata. Then the young brother called to him on this side, saying, Brother, wait here until dawn. When the Aten has risen, I shall contend with you before him, and he shall make the wicked submit to the just. For I shall not be with you any more. I will not be in this place in which you are. I will go to the valley of the trees. Now when it dawned, and another day had come, and Preharakti had risen, one brother gazed at the other. The youth rebuked his elder brother, saying, what is this, your coming after me, to kill me wrongfully, without having listened to my words? For I am yet your young brother, and you are like a father to me, and your wife is like a mother to me. But when I was sent to fetch seed by you for us, your wife said to me, Come, let us spend an hour lying together. But look, it has all been turned around for you into another thing, the opposite of the truth. And then Bata let Anubis know all that had transpired between Bata and the wife. And he swore by Preharakti, saying, As for your coming to kill me wrongfully, brother, you carried your spear on the testimony of a filthy whore. Then he took a reed knife, cut off his penis, and threw it into the water, and a catfish swallowed it. Bata grew weak and became feeble and his elder brother Anubis became very sick at heart and stood weeping for him loudly. He could not cross over to where his young brother was on account of the crocodiles. After a time, the young brother Bata called out to Anubis, saying, If you recall something evil, brother, will you not also recall something good, or something that I have done for you? Go back to your home, tend your cattle, for I shall not stay in the place where you are. I shall go to the valley of the trees. But what you shall do for me is to come and look after me when you learn that something has happened to me. I shall take out my heart and place it on top of the flowers of the tree. If the tree is cut down and falls to the ground, you shall come to search for it. If you spend seven years searching for it, let your heart not be disgusted. And when you find my heart and place it in a bowl of cool water, I shall live again to take revenge on him who has wronged me. 
you will know that something has happened to me when one puts a jug of beer in your hand and the beer ferments. Do not delay at all when this happens to you. Then Bata went away to the valley of the trees, and his elder brother Anubis went back to his home, his hand on his head and smeared with dirt. When Anubis reached his house, he killed his wife, he cast her to the dogs, and he sat mourning for his young brother. End quote. Bata flees and almost falls to Anubis' wrath, but the great god Ra Horakti intervenes and protects the younger brother. Ra waves his hand and creates a river between the two. Forced to wait it out, Anubis and Bata watch each other across the river. Bata knows that he must prove his loyalty, and he does so with a dramatic gesture. Bata cuts off his own penis and throws it into the river, where a fish swallows it. This is probably a reference to the myth of Osiris, whose own penis disappeared in the Nile, following Seth's cruel betrayal. Bata, fortunately, escapes the tragedy of Osiris, and is able to prove to his brother that his loyalty is beyond reproach. Nevertheless, Anubis is distraught, and in his rage, he returns home to do justice on the unfaithful wife. This is the end of part one, or act one, in the story. There are three distinct sections in total, each taking place in a different region, and focusing on a different challenge which the young brother Bata must overcome. Classic hero's journey stuff, which I can imagine someone like David Lynch making into a pretty interesting film. Anyway, Bata now leaves Egypt and travels to a faraway country, the Valley of the Ash, or Pine Trees. Quote, Now many days after this, the young brother Bata was in the Valley of the Trees. There was no one with him, and he spent the days hunting the desert animals. In the evening, he returned to sleep under the trees on top of whose blossom his heart had rested. After many days, he built a house for himself with his own hands in the valley of the trees. It was filled with all good things, for here he wished to set up a household. One day, coming out of his house, Bata encountered the Ennead, the Divine Council, as they walked about administering the entire land. The Ennead of the gods addressed him in unison, saying, O Bata, bull of the Ennead, are you alone here, having left your town on account of the wife of Anubis, your elder brother? Do you not know? He has killed his wife, and you are avenged of all the wrong that was done to you. And as they felt sorry for him, Prehorakti said to the god Kunum, Fashion a wife for Bata, so that he does not live alone. Then Kanum, the fashioner, made a companion for Bata, who was more beautiful in body than any woman in the whole land, for the fluid of every god was within her. Then the seven Hathors came to see her, and they said with one voice, This lady will die by the knife. End quote. So Bata leaves Egypt, travelling to the place called the Valley of the Pine. The pine, or ash, is generally associated with Lebanon and the great city of Byblos, which traded high-quality timber with the Egyptians ever since the Old Kingdom. Moving to Lebanon, Bata follows the tradition of heroes like Sinue, or even Osiris, both of whom wound up in this part of the world. Bata and Sinue have something in common. They are both fugitives, looking to start anew, far away from the troubles they found in Egypt. 
And just as Senue settled and then established a new household, Bata would do the same, only this time the gods were willing to help. The gods fashioned a wife for Bata. Once again, the woman is unnamed, anonymous, and you won't be surprised if I tell you that this wife also is going to cause Bata a lot of trouble. As the new wife comes into existence, the Seven Hathors, a group of oracles or fates, pronounce the destiny of the young lady. She will meet a terrible end, a victim of royal justice. With that ominous declaration in mind, the story moves into its second phase. Quote, Bata desired his wife very much. She sat in his house while he spent the day hunting the desert game, bringing it and putting it before her. He said to her, Do not go outdoors, lest the sea should snatch you. I cannot rescue you from the sea, because I am a woman like you, and my heart lies on top of the flower of the tree. But if another should find my heart, I shall fight with him. Then he revealed to her all of his thoughts. End quote. Bata and his wife live together for a while, and Bata is once again a loyal and helpful man. He brings the food, he builds the house, he supplies almost everything that a lady might need. But there is one thing he can't provide. Because Bata cut off his penis back in Egypt, he is no longer a man in the traditional sense. This doesn't seem to be an immediate problem, but it may have a hand in what happens next. Quote, now many days after this, when Bata had gone hunting according to his daily habit, the young girl went out to stroll under the trees which were next to her house. Then she saw the sea surging behind her, and she started to run before it, fleeing to her house and entering it. Thereupon the sea called out to the trees, saying, Catch that girl for me! And the trees took away a lock of the girl's hair. The sea brought the girl's hair to Egypt, and laid it in the place where the washermen of Pharaoh did the laundry. Soon, the scent of her hair got into the clothes of the Pharaoh, and the king quarrelled with his washermen, saying, There is a scent of ointment in my clothes every day. He quarrelled with them, and they did not know what to do. The chief of the royal washermen went to the shore, his heart very sore on account of the daily quarrel with Pharaoh. Then the man realized that he was standing on the shore opposite the lock of hair which was in the water. He had someone go down, and it was brought to him. Its scent was found to be very sweet, and he took it to the pharaoh. Then the learned scribes of pharaoh were summoned, and they said, As for this lock of hair, it belongs to a daughter of Preharakti, in whom there is the fluid of every god. It is a greeting to you from another country. Let envoys go to every foreign land to search for this girl. And as for the envoy who goes to the valley of the trees, let many men go with him to fetch her. His majesty said, What you have said is very good. And the envoys were sent. End quote. Once again we have a supernatural occurrence. Bata's wife goes for a walk in the countryside and finds herself near the sea. Magically, the ocean itself rises up, desiring the wife, and it pursues her inland. She escapes, but not before the sea gets a hold of a lock of hair. This hair floats all the way to Egypt, where the intoxicating scent of its perfume comes to the attention of Pharaoh himself. 
Filled with desire, the king of Egypt commands his men to go forth and find this mystery woman, the one who smells like every good thing. The wife's hair is almost certainly magical, since the gods themselves made the wife, and she contains a little bit of all of their essences. She is essentially an avatar of desirability. It's a shame that Bata can't perform his manly duties with her, because this woman seems to be operating on Hathor levels of sexuality. Did you ever read the novel Perfume by Patrick Suskind? It's like that. The essence of beauty has been distilled down into this lady's scent so completely that it fills everyone with desire to possess her. So naturally, the pharaoh's warriors and agents go on the hunt for the mystery woman who smells like a goddess. Quote, Now many days after this, the men who had gone abroad returned to report to his majesty. But those who had gone to the valley of the trees did not return, for Bata had killed them, leaving only one of them to report to his majesty. So his majesty sent many soldiers and charioteers to bring her back, and with them was a woman into whose hand one had given all kinds of beautiful ladies' jewellery. This woman returned to Egypt with the daughter of Preherakti, and there was jubilation for her in the entire land. His majesty loved his new girl very, very much, and he gave her the rank of great lady. He spoke with her in order to make her tell him about her husband, and she said to his majesty, Have the pine tree felled and cut up. The king sent soldiers with their tools to fell a pine tree. They reached the pine, they felled the blossom on which was placed Bata's heart, and he fell dead at that moment. So, let me rewind. Back in the first act, Bata asked his brother Anubis something important. Bata said that one day, Anubis would need to come looking for him. This would happen when someone destroyed Bata's heart by cutting down a pine tree. Well, that prophecy has now come true. The soldiers cut down the tree on which Bata has placed his heart, trying to keep it safe. Unfortunately, by doing this, they have disconnected his body and his soul, and the man falls dead in an instant. What will happen to Bata? How will he recover? Well, let's find out. Quote, when it had dawned and the next day had come and the pine tree had been felled, Anubis, the elder brother of Bata, entered his house. He sat down to wash his hands. He was given a jug of beer, and it fermented. He was given another of wine, and it turned bad. Then he took his staff and his sandals, as well as his clothes and his weapons, and he started to journey to the Valley of the Trees. He entered the mansion of his young brother, and found Bata lying dead on his bed. Anubis wept when he saw his young brother lying dead. He went to search for the heart of his young brother, beneath the pine under which his young brother had slept in the evening. Anubis spent three years searching for the tree without finding it. When he began the fourth year, Anubis's heart longed to return to Egypt, and he said, I shall depart tomorrow. So he said in his heart. When it had dawned and another day had come, he went to walk under the pine and spent the day searching for it. When he turned back in the evening, he looked once again in search of it, and he found a fruit. He came back with the fruit, and it was the heart of his young brother. Anubis fetched a bowl of cool water, placed it in it, and sat down according to his daily habit. When night had come, Bata's heart in the bowl swallowed the water, and Bata twitched in all his body. 
He began to look at his elder brother while his heart was still in the bowl. Then Anubis took the bowl of water in which was placed the heart of his young brother and let Bata drink it. Then his heart stood in its proper place and Bata became as he had been. Thereupon the two brothers embraced one another and they talked. End quote. So Anubis finds the brother's heart shriveled and desiccated upon the ground. He places it within a bowl of water where the heart absorbs the moisture and recovers something of its strength. Anubis then pours the heart water into his brother's body, and thus the body and soul are reunited and Bata is able to live once more. So the agents of Pharaoh cut down Bata's pine tree, killing him, and this monstrous act seems to be yet another injustice done to Bata, the second of three which will happen in the story. Fortunately, like the best soap operas, Bata's death is temporary. He returns to life with his brother's help, and Anubis, who, remember, is associated with the protector deity of the dead, assists Bata in his moment of crisis. The audience would probably understand the connection going on here. Anubis, a god of the dead, helps a soul return to life, and thus undo a great crime. The reunification of Bata and Anubis marks the end of part two, in the three-act structure. The brothers are challenged in part one and fall out. In part two, they are brought back together and their bond is stronger than ever. Now, with Bata once again facing great difficulty, the two must overcome falsehood and restore justice. Fortunately, they can now work together and their powers are greater than ever before. Quote, then Bata said to his elder brother, Look, I shall change myself into a great bull of beautiful colour, of a kind unknown to man, and you shall sit on my back. By the time the sun has risen, we shall be where my wife is, so that I may avenge myself. You shall take me to where the king is, for he will do for you everything good. You shall be rewarded with silver and gold for taking me to Pharaoh for I shall be a great marvel, and they will jubilate over me in the whole land. Then you shall depart to your village. When it had dawned, and the next day had come, Bata assumed the form of a bull which he had told his elder brother. Then Anubis sat upon his back. At dawn, Bata reached the place where the king was. His majesty was informed about the bull. He saw him, and rejoiced over him very much. The king made a great offering for him, saying, this is a great marvel. And there was jubilation over Bata in the entire land. Then the pharaoh rewarded Anubis the elder brother with silver and gold, and he went to dwell in his village. The king gave Anubis many people and many things, for pharaoh loved him very much, more than anyone else in the whole land. End quote. At this point in the story, the supernatural elements are coming thick and heavy. Bata shapeshifts, turning himself into a bull. We've seen this idea before, when the dueling gods Horus and Seth went to war for the kingship. In a competition, Horus and Seth transformed themselves into hippopotami. Well, Bata does the same, but he becomes a bull, one of the traditional symbols of Egyptian kingship. Naturally, the pharaoh recognizes the value of this symbol, and he welcomes bull Bata into his household. For the next wee while, things seem pleasant in the story, at least until treachery strikes once again. Quote, now, when many days had passed, he, 
Bata, entered the kitchen, stood where the lady was, and began to speak to her, saying, Look, I am yet alive. She said to her, Who are you? He said to her, I am Bata. I know that when you had the pine tree felled for Pharaoh, it was on account of me, so that I would die. But look, I am yet alive, and at the moment I am a bull. The lady became very frightened because of the speech her husband had made to her in the form of a bull. Then he left the kitchen. The pharaoh sat down to a day of feasting with the girl. She poured drink for his majesty, and he was very happy with her. Then she said to his majesty, Swear to me by God, saying, Whatever she will say, I will listen to it. Promise me. The pharaoh listened to all that she had said. For her promise, the girl asked, Let me eat the liver of this bull, for he is good for nothing. This is what she said to the king. He became very vexed over it, and the heart of Pharaoh was very sore. When it had dawned, and another day had come, the king proclaimed a great offering, namely, the sacrifice of the bull. He sent one of the chief royal slaughterers to sacrifice the bull. It was done upon Pharaoh's order. And when the bull had been sacrificed, and was carried into the hall upon the shoulders of the porters, the bull shook his neck, so that two drops of blood fell onto the floor beside the great portal of the pharaoh, one upon one side of the door, the other on the other side. The drops of blood grew into two great persia trees, each of them immense. A servant went to tell his majesty, Two great persia trees have grown this night, a great marvel for his majesty, beside the great doorway of the pharaoh. There was jubilation over the trees in the whole land, and the king made an offering to them. End quote. Once again, a wife does evil. Bata's wicked wife cajoles Pharaoh into slaughtering the bull, Bata, as a sacrifice. The king of Upper and Lower Egypt complies, and for a moment the wife may think that she has escaped her justice. But Bata, ever cunning, adapts to the situation. As his bloody carcass is carried into the palace, Two drops fall from his neck and stain the soil. Where the blood lands, two trees grow by magic. These are Persia trees, a symbol of royalty in New Kingdom Egypt. During the reign of Ramesses II, we see statues of the king decorated with Persia trees, where each leaf bears a cartouche of the royal name. The Persia may have played a role in the coronation rites, or at least been a symbol of the king's longevity, every leaf being an extension of his reign on earth. So Bata, the bull, becomes Bata the Persia tree. He transitions from one symbol of kingship to another, and now the story builds towards its climax. Quote, Many days after this, his majesty came forth at the window of appearances, which is made of lapis lazuli. He wore a wreath of all kinds of flowers upon his neck. Then the pharaoh mounted a golden chariot, and came out of the palace to view the Persia trees. Then his lady came out on a team behind pharaoh. His majesty sat down under one Persia tree, and the lady under the other. Then Bata, as the trees, spoke to his wife. Ha! You false one! I am Bata! I am alive in spite of you! I know that when you had the pine tree felled for pharaoh, it was on account of me. And when I became a bull, you had me killed. End quote. Bata, in the form of the Persia tree, 
now confronts his wayward wife. The woman is in a tricky situation. She may be exposed as an adulteress. For though her and Barter never consummated their marriage, remember, he cut off his penis, still she was made by the gods to be his wife. But she has found happiness or comfort in the home of Pharaoh. So, from a certain perspective, she is breaking her marriage to be with the king. What is this woman to do? Will she renounce her place in the palace, or find a way to remove Barter from the situation, and once again secure her home? Quote, Many days after this, the lady stood pouring drink for his majesty, and he was very pleased with her. Then she said to his majesty, Swear to me by God, saying, Whatever she will say, I will listen to it. Promise me, so you shall say. Pharaoh listened to all that she had said. She said, Have the two persia trees felled and made into fine furniture. After a short while, his majesty sent skilled craftsmen. They felled the persia trees of Pharaoh, and the queen, the lady, stood watching it. Then a splinter flew and entered the mouth of the lady. She swallowed it, and in a moment she became pregnant. The king ordered the persia trees to be made into whatever she desired. End quote. The wife of Bata, like the wife of Anubis before her, is a femme fatale type of character. She betrays Bata, seeking his death after he reveals his identity. She may be fearful of losing her position, but such an act carries a grave moral weight. Unfortunately, she is now trapped in the flow of events, and unless something quite extraordinary happens, her fate may be sealed. Quote, Many more days after this, the lady gave birth to a son. A servant went to tell his majesty, A son has been born to you. The baby was fetched, and a nurse and maids were assigned to him. There was jubilation over him in the whole land. The king sat down to a feast day and held the baby on his lap. From that hour, his majesty loved him very much, and he designated him as the king's son of Cush, or viceroy of Nubia. And many days after this, his majesty made the boy crown prince of the entire land. End quote. As the king's agents cut down the Persia tree, which is Bata in another form, a splinter accidentally enters the wife's mouth and she swallows it. The wife becomes pregnant with her husband's seed, and pretty soon she gives birth to a child. That child is, well, it's Bata, transformed from a man to a bull to a tree to a baby. In a convoluted sense, Bata is his own father, his wife is his own mother. The idea at play here is what Egyptologists call the Ka-Mutef, or bull of his mother principle. It's an idea that pharaohs used to explain how every king was Horus in an ongoing succession. Since the Horus was eternal, every child he produced was, in a way, another manifestation of himself. So, any woman who bore a king's son was simultaneously a wife and a mother to a Horus. In other words, the king impregnated his wife, the wife gave birth to a child, and that child became king in his own time. My favourite description of this is, quote, The being who is reborn is the incarnation of the one who is dead. End quote. So the Horus father becomes the Horus son, and the whole lineage continues forever and ever. Anyway, Bata emerges as a baby who is crown prince of the land. 
he is now destined to inherit the kingship, and as the story draws to its close, Bata is ready to take his throne. Quote, now, many days after this, when Bata had spent many years as crown prince, his majesty the pharaoh flew to heaven. Then the new king, that is, the prince, that is, Bata, said to his courtiers, Let my great royal officials be brought to me, so that I may let them know all that has happened to me. Then his wife was brought to him. The king judged his wife in the presence of his courtiers, and they gave their approval. End quote. The story doesn't describe it in detail, but after Bata becomes the king, he passes sentence on his false wife. By judging her, we should understand that he condemned the woman to death. Thus, the prophecy which was made at the wife's birth comes true. Back at the start of part two, the seven Hathors foretold that the wife would die by execution. Now, Bata carries out that fate, and the adulterous wife, child of the gods but unfaithful woman, dies by royal decree. Bata is now triumphant. After suffering so many falsehoods, so many injustices, the maligned brother has now become an incarnation of Horus and the doer of Ma'at itself. Bata has reached the ascendancy. The fugitive brother has become the royal son and finally the pharaoh of Egypt. The tale is drawing to its end. All that is left is for Bata to make his kingdom good. Quote, his elder brother was brought to him, and he made Anubis crown prince of the whole land. Bata spent thirty years as the king of Egypt. Then he departed from life, and his brother Anubis stood in his place on the day of death. It has come to a good end under the scribe of the treasury, Kagab, and the scribes of the treasury, Hori and Merem Opi, written by the scribe Inanna, the owner of this book. Whoever maligns it, Thoth will contend with him. End quote. The story comes to its end, and justice is done. Bata becomes the king, Anubis becomes his crown prince, and when Bata rules for a good thirty years, Anubis in turn succeeds him. It all comes to a happy conclusion, and the audience can leave, satisfied that justice has been done on earth. Sad story, but happy ending. All is well with the world. We have recounted the story, but now it is time for a little bit of commentary. The person who copied this text down bore the name Inanna. Inanna is another name for Ishtar, the famous Babylonian goddess. So it's possible that this particular scribe, maybe a woman, came from Near Eastern heritage. Other scribes are referenced, and they might be the original composers of the story. It's unclear. All we can say for certain is that the tale of two brothers emerged sometime in the 18th or early 19th dynasties, and was copied onto other papyri later. Today, Two sizable copies of the tale of two brothers survive on papyrus, allowing scholars to compare the versions and their differences. It has been called the world's oldest fairy tale, and it may be one of the original stories of its kind. Of course, we have already seen the contendings of Horus and Seth way back in episode 3, but even that text was only written down during the 19th and 20th dynasties. 
So it's possible that the tale of two brothers technically comes first, making it the oldest story of its kind in Egypt. Whether that is correct or not, it is a fascinating tale, an adventure, a morality, and a drama of royal intrigue, all wrapped in one. Of course, there are different ways to interpret the meaning of this story. On one level, it may simply be a fairy tale, a fun story told around the hearth which entertains on the long nights. On the other, it also has some clear moral points. Adultery is condemned most strongly, and ultimately justice prevails, giving a sense that there is order in the world, that good people will triumph over wickedness. Some elements of the story, particularly the Byblos or Lebanon situation in part 2, have also been connected with historical figures of the 18th dynasty. In one interpretation, some scholars suggested that the wife of Bata, whom the gods created in the valley of the pine trees, might be inspired by women who came to Egypt from the Near East as part of the brides or harem of Pharaoh. One specific interpretation even connects this wife with the noble lady Kia, whom we met in episode 119. Kia, a wife of Akhenaten, might possibly have been of Syrian or Near Eastern origins. We have no hard evidence for that, but it has been suggested that the woman who appears in this story is a reflection of Kia or women like her. Personally, I don't buy that interpretation, mainly because we have no hard evidence that Kia herself was actually Near Eastern, and there's nothing in the text to specifically reference any particular woman. The wife of Bata is made by the gods. It's just a coincidence that she is made in this part of the world. Finally, it has also been suggested that there might be political dimensions to the story, that it may be a mythologized retelling of events which took place during the 19th dynasty. I'm not going to discuss those here because I don't want to overly complicate the meaning which we take from a wonderful story. I'll come back to that political interpretation at the proper time because it is very specific to the end of the 19th and the early 20th dynasties of royal history. For now, it is time to say farewell. I hope you've enjoyed this fairy tale, and I'll see you very soon for a new episode of the History of Egypt podcast. Take care. Enjoy your holidays, and I will be back shortly. And now, for those of you who are interested, here is the full story from beginning to end, with no interruptions. It is said that there were two brothers of the same mother and the same father, the elder brother was named Anubis, and the younger brother was named Bata. As for Anubis, he had a house and a wife, and his younger brother Bata was with him as if he were a son. Bata was the one who made clothes for him, and he went behind his cattle to the fields. Bata was the one who did the ploughing, and he harvested for him. He was the one who did all kinds of labour in the fields. Indeed, this young brother was an excellent man. There was none like him in the whole land, for a god's strength was within him. Now, when many days had passed, this young brother was tending to his cattle according to his daily custom. 
and he returned to his house in the evening, laden with all kinds of field plants, and with milk, with wood, and with every good thing. He placed them before his elder brother Anubis, as he was sitting with his wife. Then Bata drank and ate, and went to sleep in the stable among the cattle. Now when it had dawned, and another day had come, Bata took foods that were cooked, and placed them before his elder brother Anubis. Then Bata took bread for himself for the fields, and he drove his cattle, and he let them eat in the fields. Bata walked behind his cattle, and they would say to him, The grass is good in such and such a place. And he heard all that the cattle said, and he took them to the place of good grass which they desired. Thus the cattle that he tended became exceedingly fine, and he increased their offspring very much. Now at ploughing time, Bata's elder brother Anubis said to him, Have a team of oxen made ready for us, for ploughing, for the soil has emerged from the flood, and it is right for ploughing. Also, come to the field with seeds, for we shall start ploughing tomorrow. This is what Anubis said to Bata. Then the young brother made all the preparations that his elder brother had told him to make. Now, when it had dawned, and another day had come, they went to the field with their seeds, and they began to plough, and their hearts were very pleased with this work that they had undertaken. And many days later, when they were still in the field, they had need of more seeds. So Anubis sent his young brother, saying, Hurry, fetch us seed from the village. Bata went at his command. And the younger brother then found the wife of his elder brother seated and braiding her hair. Bata said to the wife, Get up, give me seed, so that I may hurry to the field, for my elder brother, your husband, is waiting for me. Don't delay. The wife said to him, Go and open the storeroom and fetch what you want. Don't make me leave my hairdo unfinished. The young brother entered the stable and fetched a large vessel, for he wished to take a great quantity of seed. Bata loaded himself with barley and emmer, and came out with it. Thereupon the wife said to him, How much is that which you have on your shoulder? He said to her, Three sacks of emmer and two sacks of barley, five in all, are upon my shoulder. This is what he said to her. Then the wife spoke to Bata, saying, there is great strength in you, I see your vigour daily. And she desired to know him as a man. She got up, took hold of him, and said, Come, let us spend an hour lying together. It will be good for you, and if you do, I will make fine clothes for you. Then the youth Bata became like a leopard in his anger over the wicked speech she had made to him, and she became very frightened. He rebuked her, saying, Behold! You are like a mother to me, and your husband, my brother, is like a father to me. He who is older than I has raised me, cared for me. What is this great wrong you say to me? Do not say it to me again, but I will not tell it to anyone. I will not let it come from my mouth to any man. He picked up his load, he went off to the field. He reached his elder brother, and they began to work at their task. When evening had come, his elder brother returned to his house. And Bata tended to his cattle, loaded himself with all things of the field, and drove the cattle before him to let them sleep in their stable in the village. Now the wife of the elder brother was afraid on account of the speech which she had made. 
So she took fat and grease, and made herself appear as if she had been beaten, in order to tell her husband, It was your young brother who beat me. Her husband returned in the evening according to his daily custom. He reached his house, and found his wife lying down and seeming ill. She did not pour water over his hands in the usual manner, nor had she lit a fire for him. His house was in darkness, and she lay vomiting. Anubis, her husband, said to her, Who has had words with you? She said to him, No one has had words with me except for your younger brother, Bata. When he came to take seed to you, he found me sitting alone. He said to me, Come, let us spend an hour lying together. Loosen your braids. This is what he said to me, but I would not listen to him. I said to him, Am I not like your mother? Is your elder brother not like a father to you? At that, he became frightened, and he beat me, so as to prevent me from telling you this. Now if you let him live, I shall die. Look, when he returns, do not let him live, for I am ill from his evil design, which he was about to carry out in the morning. The elder brother became enraged like a leopard. He sharpened his spear and took it in his hand. Then the elder brother stood behind the door of his stable in order to kill his young brother when he came home in the evening to let his cattle over the threshold. When the sun had set, the younger brother, Bata, loaded himself with all the plants of the field according to his daily habit. He returned, and as the leading cow was about to enter the stable, she, the cow, said to Bata, Behold, your elder brother is waiting for you with his spear in order to kill you. Run away from him! Bata heard what his lead cow had said, and when the second cow went in, she said the same thing. He looked under the door of his stable, and saw the feet of his elder brother, as Anubis stood behind the door with his spear in his hand. Bata set his load upon the ground, and took off at a run so as to flee, and his elder brother came after him with his spear. As he ran, Bata prayed to pray Horakti, saying, my good lord, it is you who judge between the wicked and the just. And Prey heard all of his plea, and Prey made a great body of water appear between him and his elder brother Anubis, and the water was full of crocodiles. Thus, one brother came to be on one side, and the other brother on the other side. And the elder brother struck his own hand twice in frustration, because he had failed to kill Bata. Then the young brother called to him on this side, saying, Brother, wait here until dawn. When the Aten has risen, I shall contend with you before him, and he shall make the wicked submit to the just. For I shall not be with you any more. I will not be in this place in which you are. I will go to the valley of the trees. Now when it dawned, and another day had come, and Preharakti had risen, one brother gazed at the other. The youth rebuked his elder brother, saying, What is this, your coming after me, to kill me wrongfully, without having listened to my words? For I am yet your young brother, and you are like a father to me, and your wife is like a mother to me. But when I was sent to fetch seed by you for us, your wife said to me, Come, let us spend an hour lying together. But look, it has all been turned around for you into another thing, the opposite of the truth. And then Bata let Anubis know all that had transpired between Bata and the wife. And he swore by Preharakti, saying, As for your coming to kill me wrongfully, brother, you carried your spear on the testimony of a filthy whore. Then he took a reed knife, 
cut off his penis and threw it into the water, and a catfish swallowed it. Bata grew weak and became feeble, and his elder brother Anubis became very sick at heart and stood weeping for him loudly. He could not cross over to where his young brother was on account of the crocodiles. After a time, the young brother Bata called out to Anubis, saying, If you recall something evil, brother, will you not also recall something good, or something that I have done for you? Go back to your home, tend your cattle, for I shall not stay in the place where you are. I shall go to the valley of the trees. But what you shall do for me is to come and look after me when you learn that something has happened to me. I shall take out my heart and place it on top of the flowers of the tree. If the tree is cut down and falls to the ground, you shall come to search for it. If you spend seven years searching for it, let your heart not be disgusted. And when you find my heart and place it in a bowl of cool water, I shall live again to take revenge on him who has wronged me. You will know that something has happened to me when one puts a jug of beer in your hand and the beer ferments. Do not delay at all when this happens to you. Then Bata went away to the valley of the trees, and his elder brother Anubis went back to his home, his hand on his head and smeared with dirt. When Anubis reached his house, he killed his wife, he cast her to the dogs, and he sat mourning for his young brother. Now many days after this, the young brother Bata was in the valley of the trees. There was no one with him, and he spent the days hunting the desert animals. In the evening, he returned to sleep under the trees on top of whose blossom his heart had rested. After many days, he built a house for himself with his own hands in the valley of the trees. It was filled with all good things, for here he wished to set up a household. One day, coming out of his house, Bata encountered the Ennead, the Divine Council, as they walked about administering the entire land. The Ennead of the gods addressed him in unison, saying, O Bata, bull of the Ennead, are you alone here, having left your town on account of the wife of Anubis, your elder brother? Do you not know? He has killed his wife, and you are avenged of all the wrong that was done to you. And as they felt sorry for him, Prehorakti said to the god Kunum, Fashion a wife for Bata, so that he does not live alone. Then Kanum, the fashioner, made a companion for Bata, who was more beautiful in body than any woman in the whole land, for the fluid of every god was within her. Then the seven Hathors came to see her, and they said with one voice, This lady will die by the knife. Bata desired his wife very much. She sat in his house while he spent the day hunting the desert game, bringing it and putting it before her. He said to her, do not go outdoors, lest the sea should snatch you. I cannot rescue you from the sea, because I am a woman like you, and my heart lies on top of the flower of the tree. But if another should find my heart, I shall fight with him. Then he revealed to her all of his thoughts. Now many days after this, when Bata had gone hunting according to his daily habit, the young girl went out to stroll under the trees which were next to her house. Then she saw the sea surging behind her, and she started to run before it, fleeing to her house and entering it. Thereupon the sea called out to the trees, saying, Catch that girl for me! And the trees took away a lock of the girl's hair. 
The sea brought the girl's hair to Egypt, and laid it in the place where the washermen of Pharaoh did the laundry. Soon the scent of her hair got into the clothes of the Pharaoh, and the king quarrelled with his washermen, saying, There is a scent of ointment in my clothes every day. He quarrelled with them, and they did not know what to do. The chief of the royal washermen went to the shore, his heart very sore on account of the daily quarrel with Pharaoh. Then the man realized that he was standing on the shore opposite the lock of hair which was in the water. He had someone go down, and it was brought to him. Its scent was found to be very sweet, and he took it to the Pharaoh. Then the learned scribes of Pharaoh were summoned, and they said, As for this lock of hair, it belongs to a daughter of Preharakti, in whom there is the fluid of every god. It is a greeting to you from another country. Let envoys go to every foreign land to search for this girl. And as for the envoy who goes to the valley of the trees, let many men go with him to fetch her. His majesty said, What you have said is very good. And the envoys were sent. Now many days after this, the men who had gone abroad returned to report to his majesty. But those who had gone to the valley of the trees did not return, for Bata had killed them, leaving only one of them to report to his majesty. So his majesty sent many soldiers and charioteers to bring her back, and with them was a woman into whose hand one had given all kinds of beautiful ladies' jewellery. This woman returned to Egypt with the daughter of Preharakti, and there was jubilation for her in the entire land. His majesty loved his new girl very, very much, and he gave her the rank of great lady. He spoke with her in order to make her tell him about her husband, and she said to his majesty, Have the pine tree felled and cut up. The king sent soldiers with their tools to fell a pine tree. They reached the pine, they felled the blossom on which was placed Bata's heart, and he fell dead at that moment. When it had dawned and the next day had come and the pine tree had been felled, Anubis, the elder brother of Bata, entered his house. He sat down to wash his hands. He was given a jug of beer, and it fermented. He was given another of wine, and it turned bad. Then he took his staff and his sandals, as well as his clothes and his weapons, and he started to journey to the valley of the trees. He entered the mansion of his young brother, and found Bata lying dead on his bed. Anubis wept when he saw his young brother lying dead. He went to search for the heart of his young brother, beneath the pine under which his young brother had slept in the evening. Anubis spent three years searching for the tree without finding it. When he began the fourth year, Anubis's heart longed to return to Egypt, and he said, I shall depart tomorrow. So he said in his heart. When it had dawned and another day had come, he went to walk under the pine and spent the day searching for it. When he turned back in the evening, he looked once again in search of it, and he found a fruit. He came back with the fruit, and it was the heart of his young brother. Anubis fetched a bowl of cool water, placed it in it, and sat down according to his daily habit. When night had come, Bata's heart in the bowl swallowed the water, and Bata twitched in all his body. He began to look at his elder brother while his heart was still in the bowl. Then Anubis took the bowl of water in which was placed the heart of his young brother, and let Bata drink it. Then his heart stood in its proper place, and Bata became as he had been. Thereupon the two brothers embraced one another, and they talked.
Then Bata said to his elder brother, Look, I shall change myself into a great bull of beautiful colour, of a kind unknown to man, and you shall sit on my back. By the time the sun has risen, we shall be where my wife is, so that I may avenge myself. You shall take me to where the king is, for he will do for you everything good. You shall be rewarded with silver and gold for taking me to Pharaoh, for I shall be a great marvel, and they will jubilate over me in the whole land. Then you shall depart to your village. When it had dawned, and the next day had come, Barter assumed the form of a bull which he had told his elder brother. Then Anubis sat upon his back. At dawn, Bata reached the place where the king was. His majesty was informed about the bull. He saw him and rejoiced over him very much. The king made a great offering for him, saying, This is a great marvel. And there was jubilation over Bata in the entire land. Then the pharaoh rewarded Anubis, the elder brother, with silver and gold, and he went to dwell in his village. The king gave Anubis many people and many things, for Pharaoh loved him very much, more than anyone else in the whole land. Now, when many days had passed, he, Bata, entered the kitchen, stood where the lady was, and began to speak to her, saying, Look, I am yet alive. She said to her, Who are you? He said to her, I am Bata. I know that when you had the pine tree felled for Pharaoh, it was on account of me, so that I would die. But look, I am yet alive, and at the moment I am a bull. The lady became very frightened because of the speech her husband had made to her in the form of a bull. Then he left the kitchen. The Pharaoh sat down to a day of feasting with the girl. She poured drink for his majesty, and he was very happy with her. Then she said to his majesty, Swear to me by God, saying, Whatever she will say, I will listen to it. Promise me. The pharaoh listened to all that she had said. For her promise, the girl asked, Let me eat the liver of this bull, for he is good for nothing. This is what she said to the king. He became very vexed over it, and the heart of pharaoh was very sore. When it had dawned, and another day had come, the king proclaimed a great offering, namely, the sacrifice of the bull. He sent one of the chief royal slaughterers to sacrifice the bull. It was done upon Pharaoh's order. And when the bull had been sacrificed, and was carried into the hall upon the shoulders of the porters, the bull shook his neck, so that two drops of blood fell onto the floor beside the great portal of the Pharaoh, one upon one side of the door, the other on the other side. The drops of blood grew into two great persia trees, each of them immense. A servant went to tell his majesty, Two great persia trees have grown this night, a great marvel for his majesty, beside the great doorway of the pharaoh. There was jubilation over the trees in the whole land, and the king made an offering to them. Many days after this, his majesty came forth at the window of appearances, which is made of lapis lazuli. He wore a wreath of all kinds of flowers upon his neck. Then the pharaoh mounted a golden chariot, and came out of the palace to view the Persia trees. Then his lady came out on a team behind pharaoh. His majesty sat down under one Persia tree, and the lady under the other. Then Bata, as the trees, spoke to his wife. Ha! You false one! I am Bata! I am alive in spite of you! 
I know that when you had the pine tree felled for Pharaoh, it was on account of me, and when I became a bull, you had me killed. Many days after this, the lady stood pouring drink for his majesty, and he was very pleased with her. Then she said to his majesty, Swear to me by God, saying, Whatever she will say, I will listen to it. Promise me, so you shall say. Pharaoh listened to all that she had said. She said, Have the two persia trees felled and made into fine furniture. After a short while, his majesty sent skilled craftsmen. They felled the persia trees of Pharaoh, and the queen, the lady, stood watching it. Then a splinter flew and entered the mouth of the lady. She swallowed it, and in a moment she became pregnant. The king ordered the persia trees to be made into whatever she desired. Many more days after this, the lady gave birth to a son. A servant went to tell his majesty, A son has been born to you. The baby was fetched, and a nurse and maids were assigned to him. There was jubilation over him in the whole land. The king sat down to a feast day and held the baby on his lap. From that hour, his majesty loved him very much, and he designated him as the king's son of Cush, or viceroy of Nubia. And many days after this, his majesty made the boy crown prince of the entire land. Now, many days after this, when Bata had spent many years as crown prince, his majesty the pharaoh flew to heaven. Then the new king, that is, the prince, that is, Bata, said to his courtiers, let my great royal officials be brought to me, so that I may let them know all that has happened to me. Then his wife was brought to him. The king judged his wife in the presence of his courtiers, and they gave their approval. His elder brother was brought to him, and he made Anubis crown prince of the whole land. Bata spent thirty years as the king of Egypt. Then he departed from life and his brother Anubis stood in his place on the day of death. It has come to a good end under the scribe of the treasury, Kagab, and the scribes of the treasury, Hori and Meremopi, written by the scribe Inanna, the owner of this book. Whoever maligns it, Thoth will contend with him.